So welcome back, everybody, to Pull Hook Golf, the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Cook, and tonight we've got a very special guest, Monday Q-Zone, Ryan French. And uh, before we do dive into this interview, because I'm really interested in what we're going to be going over today, I always love it when I get to find out new information about, you know, the inner workings of some of these things like Monday qualifiers. So um, that being said, I do want to give a special shout out to our sponsor, Swanee's Golf. Folks, the Golden Lake Collection has just dropped, which I'm wearing tonight. I've got the Lucas Quarter Zip on in navy blue. I've got the Bailey Polo underneath. And make sure to go to swannies.co. Use promo code PullHookGolf25 for 25% off your entire order yeah folks not just one one item we're talking about the entire order 25 percent off at swannies.co and uh, feel free folks we're going to have a Q&A at the end drop in some comments for us if you would like to have a question be brought up on air at the end but without further ado here we go ryan let's get right into it man so i want to hear a little bit about your journey especially into the world of golf how'd you get started in all of this yeah um i mean i grew up on a golf course matt and so i mean i played golf when pretty young our backyard was a little municipal course in the town i currently live and um i played community college golf and uh, tried to walk on at a four-year school, and that was kind of my wake-up call that I wasn't very good. And uh, and then I've just always been a golf nerd my whole life. So, um, you know, kind of looking in Golf Week magazine in the back of the Detroit Free Press, looking up and down leaderboards, and uh, yeah. And then fast forward many years, my dad and I used to go on a caddy trip every year and uh, go to on a mini tour and uh, caddy. And so that was definitely my inside look into what life was like for players that aren't playing on the PGA Tour or LPGA Tour. I feel like a lot of golf fans miss all these great stories that come from the Corn Ferry Tour or Monday Qualifiers. And it's really neat because Bobby Brown, uh, co-host here on Pull Hook Golf, he's the one that introduced me to your Twitter account or X now. I don't... What is the proper terminology now? Is it just calling it X? Do people know what you're talking about? It's, it's always going to be Twitter to me. I don't know. I just, I, a tweet sounds better than a post. I don't know. So I, I, I just go with Twitter and tweet at all times. Love that. So Twitter it is. It's official, folks. It is Twitter. Getting back into your journey into the game of golf. What made you decide to start covering these Monday qualifiers? Uh, yeah. So, uh, long story short, um, after our caddy trips, I had met a bunch of guys caddied just, you know, here and there, never as a full-time job and, uh, was following Monday qualifiers. And, uh, let's see, six years ago now, my son had brain surgery. And so, um, he was two, I left my job to kind of, uh, you know, just take care of him for a little bit. Uh, my intention was to like take six weeks off and I started a Twitter account to like my original idea was just to have the scoring links for Monday qualifiers. Uh, for those listening, they're all on different websites every week. And so the first idea was just to have all Monday qualifiers just on one page. And so 
started a Twitter account and uh, somehow I've never gone back to work. Um, and here I am covering Monday qualifier six years later. <laughs> that is, that is an incredible, I mean, one to just kind of be like, Oh, you know what? I, let me start doing this. Let me, and, and it is true that when you find something that people want and that people are interested in to where all these different leaderboards and everything were all over the place because I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have known where to go necessarily. I mean, I've been in golf as a golf professional, as a playing professional as well, and certainly I'm like, hang on a second, I probably would have figured it out over time to go to the sections and so forth and try to figure that out, but to be honest with you, to have somebody like yourself to put this together, what a solution to an awesome thing to follow because some of the best storylines come out of some of these Monday qualifiers. Um, I was only at one last year uh, for the Shriners. And I mean, there were like three great stories that came out of that Monday qualifier, even with uh, good old um, Steiny, um, which that's his nickname. Why can't I think of his name off the uh, top of my head? Um, oh gosh, where he hit it out of bounds and ended up, missing it by a shot uh but that was uh gosh why can't i think of his name i played a monday qualifier with him for the bc open way back when i can't um, think of his name yeah uh, it's bobby knows him as steiny it's uh smokes a lot of cig or used to smoke a lot of cigarettes um okay. on the golf oh. course Spencer Levine? Yes, thank you. That's oh. the only way I can remember it. Like, yeah, yeah, for yeah. some reason, the name was yeah. just blank there for a moment. No, that's uh, all right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good old Spencer Levine. Um, yeah. Gosh, he hit the cart path, apparently, went out of bounds. And yeah, but it's, it's really cool. So I do have, I, I'm curious because you've been doing it for six years. So you must have some really cool stories of some Monday qualifiers and so forth. But um, one thing in particular, like what's your favorite moment or story from a Monday qualifier that you can remember over the six years? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many good ones that, you know, there's guys that shouldn't qualify that do. I use a story a lot. A guy named Ted Bel Todd, Todd Belkin, who was a pizza manager and an assistant pro uh, off and on, like just a true regular Joe, uh, and had two rounds of his life. He played a great pre-qualifier and played a great Monday qualifier and got into the AT&T Byron Nelson. And he missed the cut by a billion, but it doesn't matter. Like he, I text him on Friday after he missed the cut. And I said, you know, how was your week? And he was like, it was unbelievable. I got to play practice rounds with PGA tour members. So I think, they don't get as much publicity, but I think that's the cool part of Monday qualifiers. And then obviously Corey Connors won the Valero Texas open. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, there's tons of stories out there um, from Monday qualifiers. It's just a, it's a very unique thing in sports. Yeah. You don't really get to just go on a Monday and go try to play for an NBA basketball team or for the New York Yankees. You know, it's not uh, exactly like that in other sports. So it is unique to 
the game of golf. And that does make me all of a sudden immediately think of some of the other topics that we can go down that path on with live golf and so forth and how things might be changing and so forth. But we'll get to that towards the end, folks. We always leave the uh, the live golf stuff towards the end um, as one of the fan favorite topics, whether you love them or hate them. Uh, but that being said, having just that journey of being able to qualify into a mon- or into a PGA Tour event. Because I think you said it right there, is that just that journey is so exciting to so many people that get the chance to do it that it doesn't even matter if they make the cut or not. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, it's just very unique in sports. There's not, there's not a way to get into the NFL. There's not outside of the traditional ways that you think of. Uh, you know, this is this is truly a regular joke and teed up in a PGA Tour event. Obviously, the odds are super stacked against you. There's tons of very, very talented pros, PGA Tour winners, PGA Tour members at Monday qualifiers. So the odds are, you know, slim to none, but there is a chance and it happens every once in a while. And for the pros that are there, you know, you can change your you can change your career, change your life in one one week. Doc Redmond did it. Russell Knox did it. JT Poston's done it. You know, Corey Connors has obviously done it. There's tons and tons of pros who you now think of that are regulars on the PGA Tour that were chasing Mondays for a long time. I I use uh, one, the Northern Trust, which is now the Genesis, used to have a Monday qualifier, and Tony Finau was young, but he had been a pro for five or six years. He beat exactly zero players in the Northern Trust Monday qualifier, shot 82 or 83 and beat zero players. So uh, if you go back and look at old Monday qualifying scores, which I do a lot, you're going to be like, oh, I can't believe he was there. Uh, you know, I use one from a Corn Ferry Monday in Utah. It's a very easy course. It's one of the easiest courses all year in a Monday qualifier. Um, and they take eight spots and uh, two guys tied for 18th. Um, and shot 65 and missed by two. You needed a three, a 63 to get in. And uh, it was Scotty Scheffler and Will Zalatoris. And so wow. the guys have done okay for themselves since then. So Mondays <laughs> are hard, but there's a lot of future or past talent uh, often in each field. Yeah, I was going to follow up with who who are some of the guys that, you know, we're really surprising to see on Monday Q leaderboards that now are big names. And you just, you just shared it. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, Tony Finau. So it is kind of a way of young guys trying to make their way onto the PGA tour, whether cause corn Ferry tour players can play in Monday qualifiers. Like you said, an average Joe can go play. I think you have to have, what is it? A three handicap to participate yeah, two, yeah, a two handicap. Two, yeah. Gosh, and I'm trying to get my handicap up so I can start winning money again from some of these guys. But uh, that being said, uh, you are also a very big Corn Ferry fan. And I think that goes hand in hand with the Monday Q stuff. But why are you such a big Corn Ferry Tour fan? I think I saw a tweet recently from you that you said um just how big of a fan you are and how great of these stories they are. So I mean, why Tell, tell everybody, why are you such a big Corn Ferry fan? Yeah, uh, you know, I say it all 
all the time, Matt, is like on the PGA Tour, it, there's not often a life-changing or career-changing win. Um, you know, Chris Kirk, obviously he's been through stuff, but he has money. It's not a, it's not going to, the win last week is not going to change his life in any drastic way. Grayson Murray, a little bit different, probably just definitely changes the proje- trajectory of his career. But every week on the Corn Ferry Tour, or most every week, is a career-defining or career-changing, life-changing win. In a regular Corn Ferry <clears throat> season, if you win, you're basically locking up your PGA Tour card. You have to play decent the rest of the year, but one win and you're in real good shape to get your PGA Tour card. And a lot of these guys have been grinding for years trying to get to their PGA tour and then they tap in for the win on Sunday and their dream is kind of realized that they've done it. Um, and so, you know, I'm not, that just doesn't happen on the PGA tour week to week. Uh, if Scotty wins a regular season event, if Rory wins, uh, it's just not going to change their life in any significant way whatsoever. Um, and, th- and that's different. Uh, on the PJ tour or on the corn ferry tour, um, you know, uh, Jeremy Paul and Kevin Roy are tied for the lead. The final round is tomorrow in the Bahamas. And, you know, Kevin lost his PJ tour card. Didn't play well on the PJ tour last year. We'll get back. If he wins, Jeremy Paul was playing on the outlaw tour, uh, a mini tour in Arizona oh, yeah. for a long time. So, Again, I, I just love it because most weeks you're going to see some sort of career-defining, life-changing, career-changing for sure uh, win. God, you're pumping me up about the Corn Ferry Tour. I'm like, we need to cover it better than we do. Come on now. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, you get those feel-good stories. Are there any that really kind of come to mind that kind of blow you away in terms of, like, somebody's journey that they were able to either Monday qualifier or through the Corn Ferry Tour end up getting and have those life-changing moments? I know you mentioned a couple, but are there any big ones that kind of stand out to you? Yeah, I mean... Uh, a, a guy who has become a friend of mine, Tom Whitney, uh, went to the Air Force, um, went to the Air Force Academy, served in a in a nuclear missile um, pad uh, after for four years, then turned pro. His wife is still active. They have four children. Just a very unusual uh, journey. Tom lost his best friend, who was his brother, uh, to suicide. Uh, they're just a great family. I've been lucky enough to spend a lot of time with them. And, you know, he turned pro 10 years ago and lost his, gained his corn fairy card, lost it, had to go back to Latin America and play. And he did this all with, you know, multiple children, which there's almost no one on the corn fairy tour that hasn't had PGA tour status that is playing with, you know, children. It's just, for those listening that don't know, playing on the Corn Ferry Tour is not not a way to make money. Uh, and so, you know, it just takes a true village in Tom's case to, to make it work. His in-laws, his parents have been amazingly helpful. So he's probably the recently, probably the best story. But again, it happens all the time. You know, Sean O'Hare is chasing the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, just saw Jim Herman's in this field. Tag Ridings is 49 years old, 48 years old, still chasing it, still can hit it a mile. 
and again the mix of that is what is what i love yeah, you have so much diversity out there on the Corn Ferry Tour. And like you said, I mean, what are the average purses out there on the Corn Ferry Tour nowadays? I, I can't even I can't even remember the last time I looked at that. Yeah, they've grown the last two years. I mean, they're a million now. But again, if you're finishing 60th on the money list, you're you're not making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've get they've definitely done a great job of improving it. Uh, but you know, you go to five countries in the first five weeks, these first two weeks are in the Bahamas, you know, you're probably, depending on who you have caddy, you're probably 10 grand in the hole if you miss a couple cuts. So, um, you know, again, don't feel sorry for these guys. They play professional golf for a living, not asking you that, but I do want to give people a realistic look of what their life looks like. Yeah. I mean, back when it was the nationwide tour, I had a, uh, one of the the interviews, I want to say it was in December, I brought on Blake Parks, who we played college golf together at Grand Canyon University, and he made it through um, the Q school, makes it onto Nationwide, and only made a couple cuts, um, but all the expenses. And he's like, because I was playing mini tours at the time, he's just like, Matt, you like, Stay, stay playing the mini tours because I'm telling you right now, I'm so far in debt because of all the travel, the stay and everything. And he's like, of course, I'm thinking I'm going to make all this money and everything. And so it wasn't a glamorous lifestyle, but I mean, even the mini tours below the nationwide, uh, you hear a bunch of stories of guys living in their cars. I had Kevin Streelman on. He was talking about the fact that he was basically basically living in his mom's uh, car for quite some time until he met his wife and his wife's dad asked me, he's like, are you really a professional golfer? <laughs> he's like, I don't see you on TV. <laughs> he's like, that was a wake up call. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you need that little motivation, but I feel like a lot of these guys, there's so many guys that have the game to play on the PGA tour that it really takes that just an opportunity for them to get there. Do you feel like that's more corn ferry tour or more Monday qualifiers that kind of provide that opportunity? Yeah. I mean, obviously if you get the corn ferry tour, you want to take that, you know, it's a season to prove that you belong. Um, but there's debate about whether, you know, the corn ferry tour and the, and the courses they play produce the best players. They aren't getting on a lot of great courses. They're improving, but there's a lot of pitch and putts and, you know, PGA tour courses aren't like that. So are you, are you getting the best 30 players? Uh, the answer is probably no, but it's the path forward. So you got to figure it out. Uh, but you know, Monday qualifying is really hard, but you know, one week can change your life. So yeah, I mean, all players are going to take corn fairy status and, and try to figure it out. But you know, plenty of players have done it via the Mondays. And so that's why you see a hundred guys show up for four spots. What's the lowest Monday Q score you saw? Yeah, there's been in, uh, I mean, just this year, uh, and a corn Ferry Monday, a guy shot a bogey free 64 and missed. He lost in a playoff. So <laughs> it's not, tough. it's not for the faint of heart. And no. yeah, Again, Corn Ferry Mondays play easier courses, but okay. that means 
more players are in the mix because it doesn't harder courses separate the field, uh, easier courses bring the field together. So I've always said uh, Corn Ferry Tour Mondays are harder than PGA Tour Mondays for sure. And uh, yeah, you shoot you shoot 66 at a Corn Ferry Monday, you can you don't need to check scores very often. You can probably just head to your car. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't shoot a 68 and think you're getting in. That's no. for sure. That's for sure. Now, what is the most polarizing story that you have seen either recently? Um, I know you were in some drama on Twitter recently and so forth. I mean, that just comes with the territory, right? Of being like authentic yeah. and, and being honest about what you're you're seeing and experiencing of players that are out there. But what's kind of the most polarizing story you've covered? Yeah, uh, I mean, I've covered cheating stories. Uh, I've covered uh, Alejandro Tosti, who, you know, has has. Uh, has struggled with his temper. And I wrote that story, uh, you know, as I've ventured into telling, I don't know, negative stories or whatever. Yeah. The, part of the territory is some people are going to be pissed off about it and, uh, that's okay. Uh, part of the deal. I work hard on my reporting and try to be fair to everybody involved and go from there. Um, as far as cheating stories, you know, I think they're important to tell because it's unfortunately happens too often in the professional game. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, again, it's there's so many negative stories written about the top players in the world. I happen to be the only person that covers the only media member that covers players that really, you know, below the top 100 in the world. So. I get a lot of the hate because I'm the only one writing them, but that's all right. It's yeah. part of the deal. And, uh, you know, again, I've, I've worked hard to be, I'm a terrible writer, but thank God for good editors. Uh, and, uh, but I'm, I'm, I, I think I report stories pretty well and I'll continue to do that and continue to learn. I'm new to this journalism thing, but, uh, yeah, hate hate's part of it. As you grow, uh, you know, you're gonna get people who are mad or jealous or don't like this or don't like that. You know, I look under Andy from the Fried Egg and No Laying Up, those guys have grown their businesses like crazy, bigger than mine, and uh and worked their ass off to do it. And now they get part of, you know, they get part of the hate, but They've been wildly successful and and I'm working to get there. I definitely think if you got some haters, you kind of have made it. I mean, we we had some early on uh, because I had uh, Mikey Perez as one of my very first co-hosts, Pat's brother. And man, we uh, in the beginning, neither of us knew what the hell we were really doing. Um, so that was just a whole bu bunch of debauchery. Um, and there, there were haters from the very beginning. We have one person that uh, I'm going to disclose at some point, but it is a YouTube person that they go on every single YouTube episode. And there's only one person, <laughs> which... But it's always one that does the thumbs down on every oh, yeah. single episode. Sure, they sure. they missed one though, so 
I'm proud about that. Um, but no, if you have haters, that comes with the territory, obviously. You're not always going to write the positive story and everything, which kind of gets to a poll that we threw out there today around, are you sick and tired of the negativity from both sides, whether PGA Tour or Live Golf, and this whole entire thing. And I wonder what your stance is. Are you kind of tired of all the, you know, one-sidedness on one side or the other and just the constant battling that's been going on? Yeah, I think we all are, as a golf fan. Uh, yeah, as a reporter, again, you can't post anything either pro-Live or pro-Tour or negative-Tour or negative live and not be called, you know, a, a tour stand or a live stand. Like I try my best. I have not been perfect, not trying to pretend like try my best to be unbiased and, uh, and it's impossible and it gets annoying. And I think it's just not even from a personal perspective, we're just all tired of who's going where and what the thing is. Pro golf is pretty gross right now, you know, yeah. $600 million and, this person's getting a hundred million and this person's getting four. How do we get more to the top player? It's just kind of gross. Uh, and it's honestly, I, I, I have a big tip that I would, I would never put out. Like, I'm just tired of it. Like normally I'd be so excited about this scoop that I have and I, I'm not even going to deal with it. I'm going to let someone else do it because <laughs> I'm just going to concentrate more on what I do. Like part of me, has to do that, but yeah, pro, pro golf needs to figure it out. Uh, I read quickly that the, you know, ratings were down for the tournament of champions and those kind of things. Live doesn't get a ton of, you know, gets almost no viewers, hundred thousand or ninety four thousand average or whatever. Like I think a lot of that says that that people are just sick of all of this, and uh, you know, I point a lot to cart versus IRL for the open wheel racing, uh, fans. I mean, it ruined open wheel racing. Uh, it's never recovered. And the longer this goes on, the more likely that live and PGA tour become cart versus IRL. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm afraid for the future of pro golf. Uh, yeah. The top part of pro golf stinks right now. <laughs> All there is to it. I couldn't agree with you more. That is exactly my stance on it, too. I'm like, guys, if we go too far in this entire thing to where it becomes so polarizing that especially the new audience that golf had because of COVID, it's yep. like during the pandemic, we gained so many additional participants and new people. And now they get this as their world of professional golf. And it has turned a lot of people away. They're just like, I'm not going to watch. And it's like, yeah. that's disappointing. I mean, I have a good friend, Chris, you know, I mean, he is a golf nerd, knows everyone like, and he's like, I just have, I'm out. I just can't do it. I'll watch for the majors. I'll read about it. But like that, the days of sitting on a Sunday afternoon and watching the farmers or, you know, the waste management, he's like, I just can't do it anymore. And if, if we lose, I haven't talked to enough golf fans. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a huge problem yet, but I think we we're getting there yeah. and, and guys like my friend, Chris is, you know, he is an avid golfer, plays golf all the time, loves golf. And now he's like, man, I'm just sick of all of it. And I'll still read about it. 
I'll still see who won. I'll still check, check scores, but am I going to sit down for three or four hours and watch a regular season event? Yeah, probably not. And that's, that's the fans we're losing. And, uh, you know, I think there's a shelf life on it. I think everybody is very tired of it. Couldn't agree more. It's, I've had multiple people tell me that are golf fans that are like, it's becoming tennis to what you yep. just mentioned with Chris. I'm just going to watch the majors. That's all it's becoming is about four majors. And that's disappointing. It's like, man, we really need to get back to where there is a peace treaty between everybody. Uh, But we'll get into live golf a little bit later on. I like to leave it towards the end because sometimes it can get a little bit depressing. And it's like... All right, let, let's hang in there. We we got some good stuff still to go over. And one of those is that let's talk about the PGA Tour winner so far in 2024. You're you're somebody that I can tell just based on your reporting and everything that you like these great journeys and stories that come from Corn Ferry Tour or Monday qualifiers. Or in this case, our first two winners of 2024 have had incredible journeys like Chris Kirk. I don't think people realize how many times this guy has actually won on tour, but was also a just struggle big time with alcoholism before getting back into the winner circle. And I wonder what your thoughts are on now that he is, you know, on a great path in life and like really focused back on golf. I mean, how good is Chris Kirk really? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think guys like Chris Russell Henley, those guys have very underappreciated careers. Uh, you know, Badly has won four times and, and placed Monday qualifiers. He started to play better last year. It's like those guys to win multiple times on the PGA Tour is is like you're in a very, very, you're already in a tiny, tiny percentage to be on the PGA Tour. To win once, you're even tinier. But to win multiple times like those guys have is, is rarefied, like just really as golf fans, including myself, we just underappreciate it too often. So, you know, I'm sure that when, uh, you know, last week or two weeks ago was, was super special just because from place he is in his life, uh, you know, he's, he's been open about his depression and his alcoholism and his recovery from that. So, yeah, I'm sure that was near the top, if not the top of his wins, just from a personal standpoint. Absolutely. And then last week, Grayson Murray wins the Sony Open, which we're between Bobby and I and Bobby's talked a lot about Grayson because he's been on Grayson's bag before. Um, So have a lot of people in Bobby's circle and everything um, have gone and been on Grayson's bag. You know, you had uh, Kip Henley come out and say, I really missed out on being on his bag for this win. But I saw him and I mentioned it to Bobby. I'm like, Bobby, he looks jacked right now on the Corn Ferry Tour. Like, he's gotten his stuff together, huh? And upon further review, yeah, he's uh, got clean, got into the gym, and really started to focus in. And he gained a confidence that I don't even know if he knew was there. Uh, But which, I mean, being on the Corn Ferry Tour last year and how closely you look at the and follow the Corn Ferry Tour, are you impressed by Grayson and what he's been able to do as well? Yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, it's 
I think it's a lot harder for guys when they are on the PGA Tour win and then have to go back and play on the Corn Ferry Tour. If they go up to the PGA Tour and just don't keep their card and come back, it's still hard. I'm not trying to discount that. But being a winner, thinking you're going to be up there forever, and then having to come back, it just doesn't often work out where you get back to winning again on the PGA Tour. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he, he was struggling for multiple years. It seems that off-the-course stuff was probably the biggest issue. And, uh, you know, he said that he's clean and that that's great. He said the Bermuda uh, accident was kind of a low point in his life. And, and hopefully he's, he's cleaned up his act. You know, Grayson has has pissed off a lot of people for sure. Uh, Grayson and I have had our run-ins uh, also, but like, I can't, I can't say that people don't deserve a second chance. And, you know, he was pretty open about his struggles. And so, you know, hopefully he can continue on that path, not only on the golf course, but off of it. For sure. With you there. I don't even have a follow-up question to that one because that was such a good response there. Ryan. <laughs> well done there. Uh, but is there between the two of them? I mean, do you expect one to be better than the other this year? I'm just curious to hear if you uh, are leaning towards being more of a Chris Kirk guy or more of a Grayson Murray this year. I mean, great. Grayson has really played well over the last 12 months. I mean, he won twice in the corn Ferry tour last year. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It's early season and it looks like he's, you know, he, he, he changed caddies and changed equipment companies when he got back to the PGA Tour that usually adds up to a bad deal. Uh, guys have done that and it hasn't worked out, but he changed both and won in his first start. So uh, it doesn't seem like it's affected him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him play well. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. Now, one thing that Grayson has in the bag that I've seen from a bunch of guys, um, especially over the past year, are these lab putters. So I'm actually going to have in a couple of weeks Sam from uh, lab to come on and kind of give me the breakdown into all this stuff because I've heard some of the YouTube videos and stuff. But what are your thoughts in regards to just like from a, a putting standpoint, this lab putter kind of taken off? I mean, we kind of saw it with the Odyssey putter after Wyndham and then uh, Ricky, but these lab putters are kind of a different situation here. They're kind of getting into the hands of everybody on tour. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an equipment geek, but they, they seem to be, like, everybody who uses them preaches, like, that they really love them. I, there's just not a lot of clubs that you go, that you go up, like, hey, what kind of wedges in there? Like, they just tell you. Or what kind of putter you use, I use this. But, like, you get you talk to a guy who's a lab putter guy, and he's, like, he wants to be a salesman to you <laughs> and, and tell you how great it is. So there must be something to it. That's what I'm curious. That's why I had to invite yeah. Sam. I'm like, come on, man. Let's get on the pond. Let's talk about this because I need to figure this out. Shoot, I yeah. might need to put one in my bag if it's that good. <laughs> now. now, a quick word from our sponsor. Swanee's is here with a fresh take. Performance-based materials are a given these days. But if you're looking for the stretchiest and most lightweight pieces that deliver a look that says, I'm here for a good time. Take a walk on the Swanee side. With fabric source from recycled plastics 
and designs sourced from our very own weekend warriors, Swannies is looking out for both our planet and those that need a little style to boost their drive another 15 yards. Premium looks from top to bottom at swannies.co. As we kind of move beyond the PGA Tour and the first couple winners, you know, I have a new segment that I do with our sponsor, Swannies, which is the Swanee Style segment. And so far in 2024, this segment has not disappointed because there have been clothing topics abroad. And and really, I mean, you mentioned uh, one of those uh, groups in No Laying Up, and they came under some fire with some comments that they made about, uh, you know, golf clothing, the Malbun with uh, Jason Day, and more specifically, the streetwear side of it, and they hated it. They, they didn't want this in golf at all, and a lot of people started coming at them quite a bit, especially on Twitter. So I'm curious to hear, Grant, I just set this all up for you. So, uh, But no, are you a fan of seeing streetwear out there on tour like Melbourne, or is this kind of, you know, we're going a little bit too far here, folks? No, I don't. I mean, honestly, man, I... I want to belong to a club. I, I play at a municipal course in my hometown and like, I live in a blue collar town. I'm talking like guys show up in, you know, NASCAR t-shirts and, and jeans. Uh, I, and I love it. Like, I don't want to, it, I like, do I like Jason days? No, but I don't give a shit if someone else does like it and wants to wear it all, all the power to him. Uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to have a clothing sponsor the last little bit Dunning. They've been awesome to me, but they, they also send me hoodies and like I go out 90% of the time I play golf is shorts and a hoodie or shorts and a t-shirt. So uh, I am definitely not one to criticize uh, other people's clothes because I'm just not like, I'm not a golf shirt, you know, iron pants perfectly, uh, uh, you know, perfect every time. Like there's a place for that and I love it, but I want to belong to a place where you do it. I, I surely can't golf's super boring and super stiff. And if people want to push the, push the envelope, so be it. Like, do I like Melbourne? Did I like Jason Day's pants? No. Do I give a shit that he wore it? That's great. Good for him. Uh, all I said was we got to add some pleats to those pants because I mean, those things were just baggy without pleats. We need to bring back some baggy pleats in there. Um, I love by the way, the streetwear because I was a public golf course kid. I never belonged to a country club family couldn't afford it. So I was always along the lines of, I love seeing people out there and even a t-shirt. I mean, shoot, I've got no issues with it whatsoever. I love when people can show off kind of their fashion sense and be who they are because a lot of times people's personalities come out in their clothing. And that's what I like about golf, kind of the diversification now with styles and everything and hoodies being a part of it. And I was a big basketball kid growing up. So before I ever got into golf, I was all basketball. So I love seeing the Air Jordans out there, the sneakers, the AJ ones. I'm a bit of a sneakerhead myself. So 
I love that you said that. Um, I didn't mean to tee it up the way that I did to kind of be like, hey, if you go against streetwear right now, people are going to come after you. But no. And then even with Swanee's, our sponsor, it's like, you know, they're big on the untucked golf shirt and they make it so that it fits really good like that. So I'm all about it. And I, I really don't mind seeing the streetwear and I love seeing different stuff out there. Um, now, the other part to this segment. We got a, a good old goat out there in Tiger Woods who there's a lot of speculation around his next apparel partner. And who's it's going to be? There's a photo out there where he's carrying some Travis Matthews gear. Um, now, the question is, what are your thoughts? Where do you think Tiger should go? Now, I you can say going, Dunning. I think he's going to Grayson. That's my guess. But, yeah? I mean... Tiger can probably go where he wants or start his own thing. Uh, he still has plenty of pull. So my guess is Grayson. Uh, Charlie has some. Yep. Is a Grayson fan, and uh, I I would not be surprised to see him at Grayson. And they got JT, JT and Tiger. We know their history. So I'm I, I like that. I I actually don't mind Travis Matthew either for him, but I do think. Grayson will probably be it unless he launches his own line. I don't know if this was kind of a surprise. Like, I didn't hear anything last year leading into this departure between Tiger and Nike. So I wonder if it was a surprise for Tiger and he just couldn't get a brand put together that quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's not I don't like top players are not my gig, but it is a surprise. I think Dan Rappaport did a thing. It just seems like Nike never really, you know, built out the Tiger Woods brand. Um, you know, they had some Tiger Woods stuff, but it, it seems like they left a lot of money behind in that. And now maybe because he's older and they didn't do that, it was time to, to get out of it. But um, yeah, Tiger still has plenty of pull. I'm sure there are, Plenty of companies lining up at his agent's door to to get him signed. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg said he's the only athlete that uh, he believes is worth every penny. So we'll see who Tiger ends up with with a uh, new clothing sponsor or partner. And that wraps up the style segment. I won't I won't take it any further. We've got the uh, American Express. Uh, that is this week. Now, this is a closed event, so you don't have the opportunity for Monday qualifiers to get in there. Um, do you like that? Do you like that the PGA Tour doesn't always have Monday qualifiers? I mean, this is a very biased answer, but I hate it. Yeah. Um, so, especially, again, uh, I mean, before it's too long to get into it, but signature events are not my thing. Uh, but the American Express, like, no top pros a lot of top pros are skipping it so why would you not have a, a you know there's too many invitationals too many signature events too many closed like let's let's give guys some opportunity so no i hate it well your opinion is also everybody that i've talked to every pro that is out here in the scottsdale area feels the exact same way and that's weird because, like, even some guys that are in these events and they're like, hate them, absolutely hate them. And I feel like that's like the majority. But that kind of gets into, too, who's making these decisions, player policy board. You start looking at that. Um, and 
that leads us into the next question. Who do you like this week <laughs> for the American Express? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, uh, a sleeper, a hopeful pick is Hayden Springer. Hayden's got a great story. Um, he just lost his daughter. Uh, him and his wife just lost their daughter. Is one of my oh, favorite yeah. stories in golf. Uh, he's a wonderful family and uh, a wonderful Emma, his wife. They just lost their daughter Sage, and just an amazing family and a good dude and. Uh, pulling for me, got through Q school after really not playing. And this is his first event. So um, uh, my long shot special would be Hayden. Uh, uh, I'm going to say JT Poston's going to win, but okay. I hope Hayden wins. That's strong. That is, that's very strong. I like that. Yeah. I actually, this week, I really, really like, God damn it. I hate to say it. Sung Jay. Good old Sung Jay. Oh yeah, I, I just Willie's I, on the bank. It's all right. W- Willie, ha- Willie is. Willie's got a hell of a story. I mean, we've yes, he, he was supposed to be on the podcast last year, and then Foreplay got a hold of him, and he's been off air since. So we'll uh, we'll get Willie on here at some point. But he's got a crazy story, and just his journey back to now being a caddy and being successful with it and you know how he got onto sung jay's bag that was a whole nother story in and of itself kind of little controversy around that um but yeah it's uh you know with him and sung jay seem to be vibing and even where he's telling sung jay to start blowing putts past three feet and sung jay's making some more putts so willie's onto something there yes agreed yeah we're happy for Willie. Good dude. <laughs> he, that he is. Now, with that said, we're going to push into live golf. And here we go, Ryan. This is your chance. Let everybody know because you, you mentioned it earlier, but where do you stand on live golf? I mean, so I'll, I say this all the time. Uh, I don't like live golf. It's, I know it's impossible to keep the politics out of it, but let's just talk from a golf perspective. Like guaranteed no money, no cut events are just not my jam. I don't care if they're on live. I didn't watch a single second. That's not a lie. Not watch a single second of the tournament of champions. Not one. I didn't see a shot outside of social media. Obviously I, I watch clips and stuff like that, but I did not turn on the tournament of champions on the PGA tour. I just don't have much desire for guaranteed events where everyone's already paid before they tee it up. It's just not for me. So that goes for PGA tour. I won't watch signature events this year. Just don't have any desire to watch that. Won't watch live much. Uh, but Uh-oh, I always a say, sliver I always in there, say though. what there's a sliver in there. You said, I won't watch them much. No, no, no. So you've watched what I... them. What I, I, I've watched him for sure. What I'll say, Matt, is like, I don't blame any of the players that went over there, right? Like, I, especially guys like James Piot or Chase Kepka or Kevin Na, even like middling of the road, Cameron Tringali. Like, I, I get it. Uh, uh, Harold Varner, his statement was like perfect. Like, hey, this is life changing money, generational wealth. Uh, so do I blame guys for going over there? No. Do I wish it was different? Yes. Uh, do I wish golf would just figure it out and get it together? Yeah. I'm not a live fan. 
but I don't blame players for going there. Uh, I just don't want to – I don't get the team thing. I don't know what – like it just, it just hasn't worked yet. Maybe it will. I think free agency and trades could be a thing if they could make it work. Um, yeah, I just, I'm not a fan of no-cut events. That's all there is to it. <laughs> now, I will say there is rumblings that – Liv is going to have a Monday qualifiers at some point, whether that's this year or next year, they have to do it. If, well, they don't have to, as the OWGR stands now, they need to have some sort of qualifying process. So if they do that, man, that will be very, very (laughs) interesting because, you know, if you get into a live event, you're guaranteed 120,000 minimum. So if they did like a team of Monday qualifiers, that would really pique my interest because that would be truly now for those listening that don't know Monday qualifiers, you might qualifier PGA tour event. You still have to make the cut to make any money. You don't get the $5,000 stipend. You don't get anything else. So you still have to go play well for at least two days uh, at a live event, Monday qualify and you're guaranteed 120,000. I mean, that keeps a guy's career going for two and a half years, right? Yeah. Like it's truly, career changing truly the opportunity of a life changing money and uh if they do that i'm i will definitely be watching a ton more just to see what those guys uh would do yeah i lost respect for the team side of things when matthew wolf was traded for taylor gooch and just straight up (laughs) it's just like that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever other than, oh, I'll have him on my team. Oh, okay, I'll take him. It's like these guys, it, they don't care about the team aspect as much as they've talked about it. Uh, but it is pretty cool to hear that there may be a Monday qualifier in there, and that could be game-changing for a lot of pros. And you're right, because I did hear that they're going to, this year, have three individual players that are not on teams that will be playing in events. So that yeah. kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I thought their Q school, again, like Kieran Vincent played at Liberty University and, you know, played on the Asian developmental tour. For those that have no pro golf, that is way down the list of places. You were playing in the middle of nowhere in Asia for no money and uh, then got an Asian tour and won, then went to Q school got through and it's literally, I mean, that is truly life-changing. Like he's going to make $4 million if he plays like shit this year. Uh, He's on Rom's team. Uh, You know, Rom was in the running for Wyndham Clark by some rumors. There's other rumors of other PGA tour members that are going there. So it's like, you know, I mean, that guy is going to be part of a very good team. He's probably going to make 4 million could make 40 million. I mean, it's a truly life-changing thing. So I thought Q school was, was really good because again, on the PJ tour, and I, I like this aspect. I'm not discounting the beach, this side of the PJ tours. Like you still got to go like play well, keep your card, all of those things on live. Like it is truly life-changing money. As soon as you tap in and get your card, like you, you don't have to play that well. Uh, and, for guys like Kieran, uh, you know, that, that is huge. It's, it's, I mean, again, I know a lot of players say they don't play for money. It's part of it, 
is part of it. And for guys that don't have any money, that is huge. Like to have, to be able to play without the financial aspect hanging over you can free you up a ton. So when you have a six footer for your rent payment or your car payment, <laughs> it's a little bit different. So uh, it is. Or when you have three cents left yeah. in your uh, car and you're exactly. like, gosh, I don't have enough money for a double cheeseburger at McDonald's. How am I yeah. going to eat today? Yeah, that six footer gets long. So, um, you know, again, I think there's there's interesting aspects of live. I just not no cut events aren't for me. The one interesting thing that I heard, too, and this came from Phil's interview on the Pat McAfee show is that he's talking about the fact that they have plans. And granted, you could always talk about, oh, we've got these grand plans, but of building these facilities for each of the teams, but to give guys the opportunity, young guys coming out of college and so forth, to train at those facilities, be paid salaries, and allow them to develop into better players. I've always said that's one thing that golf misses. Like, to only have guys and granted we do get great stories right of you know struggles and then all of a sudden they have success but I've always thought and I liked when the PGA Tour added that stipend in there um, for guys that you know don't make a ton of cuts and so forth that have their tour cards but I would really love to see some type of event developmental league to where guys can actually hone their craft and work up to that level rather than having to be at that level in order to survive. Like there's so many guys that have so much game that had to give it up. Yeah. I mean, I, I, under, I don't, I hope that it has some openness to it, but I, I think pro golf is probably headed there at some point. It's like a handpicked triple a team. Uh, but I hope, I hope it's still open. You know, one thing I will say about live that I think has, they've done well is developed the Asian tour and made it a viable option for guys who are, you know, trying to get to that top and make it a livable tour. Uh, the international series is good and you can make a living on the Asian tour and the more tours out there in the world that guys can make a living just, a better chance that you know a few of them are going to break through so um definitely they've done good things it's uh it's not all negative no it it, and i'm glad you said that because it's not and people for a long time a lot a lot of people listening to this podcast that love live golf thought that that I was a big hater of live golf. And I'm like, I've actually watched every single event. Like I actually will cover it. And granted, we make some fun of it, but at the same time, I'm not a hater. Like I actually, like I like certain aspects of what it's doing to the game of golf. But at the same time, there's other aspects that I absolutely hate about it. And I hate, um, you know, what it's done, the divide with everything and some of the ridiculous money that's being paid out almost a billion dollars being paid to somebody but there is one thing that i do need to say you brought his name up um i was on the phone today quite a bit uh, with people around Wyndham clark and i can confidently say he is not going and it is not the money that uh was the reason why because they met his price apparently but he is not going to end up on 
good old Rom's team. So I'm not quite sure who that fourth guy's going to be. You know, Tony, Tony was in the conversation for a while, but they ended up not meeting Tony's number. So who knows? Who knows who's going to get this bag of money that's going to get sent over? I just I have a feeling it's going to be somebody that is not significant that comes over onto John's team. We're going to have they're going to have to hurry. It's about uh, we're about, what, two weeks away from (laughs) two. I mean, better get cracking. They might have to have a money qualifier to feel to feel Phil run John's team. Right. I mean, they're going to have to start reaching for some straws in a second. Um, But they also came up with a team name for John. So the Legion of Doom. Oh, no, that was my one of my favorite WWE tag teams. Sorry. They're the Legion 13, I guess. I mean, apparently this is like historic and everything. I'm not a history buff. So when I first heard it, I kind of laughed at it. I was like, what the hell are we doing here? You know, you got the range goats going up against Legion 13. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, just needed to put that one out there for the people. Legion 13 is John Rom's team because we haven't talked about it on this podcast yet. So uh, there's that. And uh, let's open it up to the audience. Um, So audience, this is your opportunity to ask any questions that you have for Ryan, myself, um, to jump in here. Looks like uh, so Paul has just asked a question around what is your favorite cheating story that has happened? that you've covered i mean i'll take a a serious side of it is like the answer is none of them because you know i know these stories have a profound effect on these guys life and career uh but also you know it is like it the justin Doden story in canada could have affected a lot of players' careers. Had he made, had he erased the score, he admitted it in, in a tweet. Um, if he had gotten away with it, there was guys that were going to miss the cut because of that. And the reshuffle was just happening. It literally could have ended players' careers. Um, and so, you know, do I feel good about writing that story? No. Do I feel bad? No. Uh, it's just part of the job. And it needs to be written because hopefully if there's someone out there thinking about cheating, then they see the fallout from that. You know, Justin will always have to answer those questions. Uh, the other guys that I've, I've written stories about uh, when it comes to honesty, will have to answer those questions for the rest of the career. And I don't, I'm not proud of that or don't feel like great about it. But again, I don't, feel bad about it i make sure that it's accurately reported and do that but i I don't i don't have a favorite one because it's no it's no fun to report those stories but it's also part of my job and i think it's important who's the guy that uh had a million hole in ones it was the huge controversy yeah his name's matt morose he uh yeah yeah he got he got DQ'd. Um, uh, he got DQ'd at uh, at Q School, and they went the the section went out and fought, uh, went out and found some uh, uh, balls that he said were lost that he had found that were lost, and 
Oh, yeah, that old story had me going. Oh, I, I had so actually it was at the Shriners Monday queue. I'm not gonna drop in any names, but those guys not only knew him, but like one guy, uh, he uh he's like, We've known that he was a cheater for so long. <laughs> and Aaron here uh in the comments because Matt Rose is an all-timer. <laughs> Come on. Uh love that. But we've also got Garrett here. He's asking, what's the best gambling story you have while playing with a pro? No need for names. Hmm. I don't there's not a ton of like on course gambling that I've been a part of, like in the middle of an event. I will tell you, uh I get it in the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am and Ben Rector, who's a uh, a Grammy-winning song, was uh, Peter Jacobson's partner. And uh, he and Mark Baldwin, who I was kidding for, had a bet. And uh, Mark made the cut, and they were playing, like, closest two on a few holes. And Ben Rector is a stick and, like, was killing us. I mean, absolutely killing us. So uh, there's good bets. There's, like, uh, going to make the... Uh, president's cup team for a few thousand bucks that players have between them. Uh, I don't have a ton of good gambling stories. Uh, I feel like the corn fairy tour, you're not going to have a ton of good gambling yeah, stories you know, out there. Cause guys yeah. are like, no, I need my money, man. Yeah. There's not, there's just not a ton. Like there's not a ton of money out there. So it's not a ton of good money games. Like, you know, normal stuff, but it's very minimal amount. I haven't been part of like a big, a big money match. I'll tell you, on the Butch Harmon Vegas tour while it was around, and I played on that for a season, um, there were there were a little some side bets that would go on there because, you know, the purses weren't huge or anything. You win an event, and you win, like, 16 grand, um, which was actually big at the time for, like, a mini tour event. But, um, yeah, there were, there were little side bets, and there were bets from, uh, hey, next event, uh, let's go out and have some drinks and see who can uh, actually tee it up tomorrow. So... There were some yeah. of those as well, um, and no names needed for uh, Garrett there, so we didn't share any real names on that other than, uh, you know, some of the more PC gambling stories. But what else you guys got for us here? Looks like, uh, oh gosh, more people want more info on, uh, you know, what is, and I'll kind of rephrase one of these questions here in terms of, um, you know, not your favorite um, cheating story but what's kind of the like were you surprised by how many people cheat out there in pro events yes tons i have a rule that uh it's my own rule is that you have to put your name on it if if you want to accuse a player of cheating and so you know there's plenty of cheating stories that i haven't uh printed because the player in the group or in the event wouldn't put his or her name on it. And, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty eye-opening to see how often it's happening. If, if half of the stories that I've heard are happening actually happen. Yeah. The, there's not often I go a month without hearing at least an allegation of, some sort of cheating, whether it's blatant cheating or, you know, he teed up in front of the T marker and then said he didn't or whatever. Uh, it, there, there isn't a month that I, usually there's not a month 
that I don't hear about it. So it happens wow. way, way more than you think. That that is surprising, but not at the same time. You know, I mean, the there, fact is, the fact is, Matt, as like for those that don't know mini tour golf, it's very easy to cheat in mini tour events and Monday qualifiers. There's no fans. There's three rules officials across the entire golf course. There's not a lot of caddies. So you're talking maybe 50% at a, at a corn ferry Monday. I mean, quite frankly, it's pretty easy to cheat. And so there's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of like, why does that guy always shoot 66s? You know, those kind of things. And there's also like, Hey, I know for a fact he cheated. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> put your name on it, you know? Yeah. And and so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like people don't understand uh, that it's the opportunity is there more. So it happens more like on the PJ tour, there's shot tracer tracker and all of those things. And a Monday qualifier, there's you and two other dudes and maybe one or two caddies and zero fans. And once every six hole, there's a rules official. So uh, the opportunity is there. So players who are, Desperate, take more chances to do such things. Well, it's also crazy that it happens on the PGA Tour, too. And yet there's cameras and everything around. So mm -hmm. it's kind of nuts to uh, to see that, uh, especially at this level. But here comes Jeff with uh, Jeff Mossbrucker. I, I believe I said that correctly, if I can see it properly. Sorry, Jeff. I know you're an, a, uh, a longtime listener here. But can a graduate of the Corn Ferry Tour who can't get a spot into the PGA Tour event, play last minute somewhere else, or no, because they didn't ask for a PGA Tour release? They can only play in a Corn Ferry event uh, without a release. Uh, so they can't go to like an Asian Tour event or anything like that. But this week it doesn't line up, but say the Corn Ferry event and the PGA Tour event lined up and they were Thursday through Sunday, then... Uh, you could, if you're second or third alternate and Wednesday night, you decide I'm going to go fly down to the corn ferry event and play. You can do that as long as you've committed, you can commit to both, uh, both the corn ferry and the PGA tour, as long as you're not in at that time and then withdraw from, uh, the corn ferry event. If you get into the PGA tour event or fly down to the corn ferry and get in, but uh, the rule on the Corn Ferry Tour is 15-day release to play in any other event, 45 if you're on the PGA Tour. So you need to plan well ahead if you're trying to get a release to, to play uh, an Asian Tour event or something to that. And you can't play live because you still get suspended. Jeff, great question, man. I didn't know that. So that, that's all. that's all new info for me as well. Great stuff there, and uh, I believe this is just a comment from Garrett, but uh, Garrett Winder, he says that some guys just have it in them. They cheat. Always have, always will, even reverse sandbaggers. Oh, don't get me started on the handicap system here, Garrett. I've been trying to get mine north <laughs> of one. I've been trying so hard, and yet I'm, I'm still, like, trying to make three-footers. It's not like... I'm sitting there missing them, but gosh darn it. The handicap system, man, it is. I don't know how these sandbaggers do it. They must play a, a crap ton of golf. That That's all Garrett, I can say. Garrett, I will tell you that I have never, I've written the Justin, just, a lot of people like Justin Doden from Canada and didn't have a lot to say. 
every other cheating story that I've written, I get a lot of, yeah, I'm not surprised, or here's a story about that guy at some other event. So yes, it's usually a reputation that catches up with them uh, versus like a one-time thing. But Justin seemed to be an outlier from what I've, you know, gathered, but most, most of the time you're hundred percent correct. There's, it's eventually catches up with them. You hate to see it. <laughs> you hate to see it. But if anybody's got any last questions, come on, because uh, we're going to wrap it up. I've taken plenty of time from poor Mr. Ryan French here from Monday Q Info. And uh, I am very grateful, by the way, Ryan, for you coming on, spending the time with us, spitting that knowledge at us, letting us know. And, uh, man, keep doing what you're doing by following these Monday Qs. I mean, I'm an addict now. I follow all your Twitter posts at this point and uh, all the articles. So um, really appreciate it. And Garrett just has one last thing to say. He said, Justin seems legit. So yeah. uh, we got that. <laughs> I think he made a, I mean, his, his tweet was, you know, I think it was a genuinely terrible mistake. And I hope he gets back one day. Love that. Well, Ryan, let the people know where where can people find you. I know you've got a podcast for yourself as well, um, so let everybody know the Twitter handle or X, um, the website, the podcast. This is your chance to let everybody know where to find you. Yeah, just go to Monday Q info. All the stuff is there. Any given Monday is my podcast. Monday Q is dot uh, com is my uh, website. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. Hey, it's my absolute pleasure. I want to once again say thank you to Swannies. Uh, wearing their gear tonight, they sent this out. This is all fresh from their brand new Big Lake collection. And uh, I got to tell or Golden Lake collection, sorry. Uh, the Golden Lake collection. So make sure to use promo code POLEHOOKGOLF25 at checkout. Get 25% off your entire order at swannies.co and the one thing i didn't mention in the beginning that i normally do on this is that a lot of their stuff is recycled plastics in their golf shirts and everything so you're saving the planet by helping out swannies and uh, once again everybody until next week uh we'll we will see you guys soon and thanks again for listening